1: Hi, and welcome to MindShifters Radio. Today is Thursday, December the 29th, 2022, and Tim is out of town this week. His first hour is a pre-recorded show of him doing a worksheet from September the 25th, 2020. Michael and I will be back with you live for the second hour. Enjoy this pre-recording.
2: Hello, and welcome to MindShifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Friday, September 25th, 2020. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or in the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. And I've been doing therapy for over 46 years now. So that's the best endorsement I know how to give this work, aside from the fact that I'm volunteering my time as are Michael and Jeannie Rice to provide these tools and they volunteer their time to maintain this the website at whyagain.org and they pay for and use their time, intelligence, money and energy to maintain this internet show for the sole purpose of sharing these tools with as many people as possible the ultimate goal being every mind heart and being on the planet has access to these tools so Uh, If you go to whyagain.org as a website, click on the red and white bullseye or the link in the upper left-hand corner of most pages that says start here, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that book chapter is a narrative description of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool that I can use to go inside myself and remove any energy, any disintegrative energy that doesn't belong there. So when I learn that my emotions are generated by an internal process and I step into the 100% responsibility position for every emotion that I experience, then I can take a tool like the Reality Management Worksheet and dismantle the unproductive, the false perceptual energies that have led to me having a negative emotion. We encourage people to do that soon and often. You can actually download the worksheet absolutely free, one-click, download the PDF file. You don't even have to get your name put on a mailing list. No strings attached, completely free and above board, download the PDF, print it off, and apply it in your life. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. And when you tap on that, it lets you download a completely free and private app that will give you access to this Seven-Step Reality Management Worksheet, an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And I have several adults who prefer it to the full-blown Reality Management Worksheet as a sometimes as their primary tool and sometimes just as a nice change of pace. So we encourage people to do that. And we also encourage them to download and listen to the host of audio files of shows just like this one where um, people have either been stepped through the worksheet process and or they've called and given testimonials about it or they've called and asked about clarifying questions to uh, understand the fundamental principles behind these tools so if you download and listen to those files you will ha- they serve as a powerful tutorial it's like getting an advanced degree in 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 using the worksheet process and we encourage people to listen to them multiple times we encourage people to call with questions about those recordings or about the worksheets that are done in those recordings that they might have clarifying questions about, and uh, whenever you do that, if you choose to be one who calls and raises a hand, you assist us in living into our intention, and the intention with these shows is to be of service, to be of service to you and anybody else who might benefit from learning how to observe and learning how to best work with their emotional response to life situations. So our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, I'll see a little question mark by your phone number and I'll announce it by your area code and we can have a conversation. We can either do deep processing or we can answer clarifying questions about the process underlying the effectiveness of these tools. Um, We have we had our support group last night and um, it was um, it's it's interesting how uh, powerful the group experience can be when you have a community of people and they're there to support each other in in simply using the tools. And as we've said so often, in these days, there's quite a bit going on in terms of the politics in our world today. There's quite a bit going on in terms of the economy and the coronavirus, quite a bit going on in terms of people who are stuck at home. Sometimes... Uh, cohabitating with people that they do not get along with because of financial reasons or so that people are um, what's the best way to say that people are left to face many situations that they would prefer to do without whether it's having to do homeschooling for their children or living in a household with someone that they wish they were divorced from or trying to make ends meet without having a job and and risking eviction so lots and lots of life stressors these days for lots of people simply because of the state of the world and all of the various dynamics that are going on. And truth be told, we don't need any of those dynamics to be going on in order for any one of us to get triggered on any given day. So if you've been triggered recently, if you have upset come up, if you would like to understand how it is that you're choosing an upset when you, when you choose an interpretation of a life event that is causing your upset, we'd be happy to discuss that with you. We'd be happy to answer questions about these tools. We'd be happy to explore with you what you might be doing with your thought process that is creating the interpretation that's resulting in your negative emotion. And we like to remind ourselves in this work that every time I'm experiencing a negative emotional state, the most productive use I can make of that is to interpret it as the warning signal, the alarm signal that I am and living with the results in that moment of an error in my thought process and or I am re experiencing a trauma that I downloaded at a previous time in my life, a negative emotional state, a traumatic energy, physical energy, recurring negative thought pattern which has been perhaps solidified into a belief And that that upset and the way my mind is trying to tell me that my upset in this moment is about what's going on in this moment, that's never the case. Course in Miracles tells us I'm never upset for the reason I think I am. I'm never upset for the reason I think I am. So our call-in number is 563-999-3581, and if you have comments or questions, if you have suggestions about books we should read and or people we should interview on MindShifters Radio or that I should look for and invite to be interviewed on, Mind Sh- on the um, On Your Mind podcast for Journey's Dream, we'd be happy to take those suggestions as well. Um, How can we support you today? What's on your mind? We've had a lot of uh, wonderful processing in the past couple of weeks on this show. We've had people actually uh, work through a worksheet. We've had people do just straight emotional processing like yesterday. I had... um, the privilege of being able to be the one doing the worksheet in the group last night because I'd had a, um, what what I referred to as a flooding of emotions that happened earlier in the day yesterday. And, um, we, we sometimes, you know, have people ask a question about, well, um, does this work and and when i got a when i got a shift does that mean i won't have to do worksheets on that issue again and and our our response is i may have to do an infinite number of worksheets on a particular pattern or my associations and thoughts about a particular person or a certain issue and yes it is a productive Tool, It does make a change. It does help me deal with that situation and similar situations differently in the future. And at the same time, all of that is true. I may need to do an infinite number of worksheets on that type of an issue until it's complete. I might find myself 30 or 40 years from now still doing a worksheet on that type of an issue. And if I'm not monitoring it, if I'm not careful, my conscious logical mind may try and serve up the conclusion that that means the tools don't work. And so one guard against that false conclusion that the tools don't work is that in every worksheet process near the top, I'm asked to rate my emotional upset level from 0 to 10. And then at the end of the worksheet, I'm asked to rate my emotional upset level again from 0 to 10. And over time, if I track these things, I will be able to see how... Let's say my upset level for a particular issue has been, I say it's 10 out of 10. Excuse me, I had to sneeze there. I say it's a 10 out of 10, or I might say it's 118 out of 10. It's it's way above 10. And so I write that on the worksheet, and I do my worksheet process, and 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 I get some kind of a reduction and upset, and and I might have four or five other worksheets that, that come to mind that I can do around that issue or associated issues. And maybe, you know, three or four weeks or three or four years later, I have a very similar situation come up, and I get an intense emotion triggered, and my mind is likely to try and tell me, well, look, this is ridiculous. You, you did, you know, 15 worksheets on this three years ago. You should be done with this. But if I'm honest with myself and I rate my upset level, and three years ago my upset level was 118 from a score of 0 to 10, and I look at it today, I'm probably going to be at an 8 or a 9 out of 10. Pretty intense, but not off the charts taking the time to do the internal assessment work, I can override my conscious logical mind, my ego mind's tendency to believe that these tools don't work. The other thing is I want to understand that as long as I'm still walking around in form, as long as I'm still carrying a body, I'm going to have the potential to be intensely upset. I'm going to be able to choose interpretations and apply them to the neutral life events that I encounter, which interpretations can contain a thought structure that either generates a really intense negative emotion or is very, very similar to and so it resonates traumatic energy or negative emotions that I had downloaded in an earlier time in my life. And it doesn't matter how many years I've been doing the worksheet process. It doesn't matter how uh, how my mind wants to tell me I shouldn't be this upset because I should be more spiritually advanced because I've done 4,000 worksheets or whatever the case might be. None of that matters. What matters is when I'm having an emotional intense upset, that I observe it directly, that I own it as caused by an internal process and I step into taking as close to 100% responsibility for that process as I, as I can in the moment, as my triggered state will allow. And the more I do that, the more benefit I get because the more quickly I step into the use of the tools and the less time I spend mired in the negative emotional states. So our call in number is five six three nine 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 three five eight one. If you call that number and press one, you can raise a question. You can ask about anything we've talked about in the past nine and a half years. You can talk you can ask about any of the interviews we've done that we make available for free. You can ask about how to frame out a worksheet for yourself. You can ask about what's transpired in our support groups recently. And we would be happy to entertain those questions and work with you to shine a light, shine the light of awareness on whatever's going on for you. Um, Oh, I said I had the... um, privilege of being able to be the one doing a worksheet last night. And that's because yesterday morning, um, like eight thirty in the morning, I had received an email. And it's an email from a person that I haven't heard from in over eight years. About eight and a half years. And this was a um an, an intimate relationship that had been dating for three years and living together for two years and then abruptly ended. And then for eight years, there was no contact whatsoever and no hint that there would ever be. The The message coming from the other side of the wall was, "Don't, don't reach out, don't have anything to do with me or my family. And so yesterday, I had made a run to the store before work and pulled into the parking lot and heard the phone ding and parked the car and then looked at the phone and saw in disbelief the person that had sent this email was the person who hasn't had any contact with me in eight and a half years. So the flood of emotions was so intense that I, didn't even, I wasn't even aware what happened. And within minutes, I found myself standing outside my car. I had picked up my coffee mug and stepped outside of my car as though I was doing Lord knows what. I was in the parking lot of the store. I was supposed to be having my mask on my face and going into the store to get a short list of you know, fruits and vegetables. But instead of having my mask on, instead of having my keys in my hand, I had my coffee mug in my hand and was standing outside my car wondering why I was at the store, completely had completely lost the sense of what I was there for. And that was a a, a lovely wake-up call for me. That was a time to take a few breaths and realize, oh my gosh, I'm... I'm off the rails here. I've been flooded with emotion. I need to take a break. I opened the car door. I sat back down. I put my coffee mug down. I got my mask out. I made a quick written list of the fruits and vegetables I needed to get. Cleared my head and then went into. I didn't bother responding to the email because when you know when I became aware that I was that flooded with emotion, I knew this is not the time to respond. So I went into the store. Got the things on the list, thought about the email the whole time, thought about if I respond, how I respond, etc. And then made it through the store, made it back to the car, drove to the office, got myself centered, and sent a quick reply. Acknowledging that I had been flooded with emotion, acknowledging that it was confusing to me why i would be hearing from this person after all that time and asking um why now you know that if there's going to be any more contact you know what, what what is it about there was another exchange or two throughout the day at a very full day and um and And the day culminated with the support group, and prior to the uh, support group, I had formulated a little bit more lengthy response, but I realized it wasn't uh, uh appropriate to send it because I hadn't done enough hadn't done any worksheets yet, and I hadn't done any emotional processing to sort that out, so I just sent a quick note saying it's been a very busy day and it's got group tonight and so I will respond tomorrow. And then the first hour and a half of the group was discussion and other people doing processing and then it was offered to me to do a worksheet on this. And so I did a worksheet on the on the email and the reappearance or the request to reestablish connection and all of the flooding emotions that were sweeping over me throughout the day. And the thing about the worksheet process that's so beneficial is that if you listen to Dr. Michael Rice, when he talks about David Bohm, he talked about this yesterday in his half of the show. He he reviewed David Bohm and Krishnamurti and how they both talk about how there's a fundamental error in the process of, of human thought related to mental and emotional issues. And that thought, Guy Finley calls it, a mechanical level of mind, you know, thought has its own energy and it will keep spinning and it has its own momentum and we think that we're thinking we believe we're driving that process when in actuality it's got its own momentum continues to spin like a hamster on a wheel it's strongly influenced by our family and cultural conditioning and our language you know Lyra uh, Boroditsky has a wonderful talk about how language shapes our perception on TED and um, so my processing was such that all I could understand at that point in time was that I was flooded with emotions and whatever my mind was telling me was causing the emotions, accurate. So the worksheet process spends the first three steps helping me map out the quickly spinning the effervescent, fluidly changing pattern of thoughts and put them down in writing on the worksheet. It has me remind myself of my true nature. It has me continually breathe. It has me specify a word to describe the emotional energy that I'm experiencing. It has me quickly and concisely map out the picture my mind is showing me about who or what did something that was offensive or scary or anger producing it has me map out what they did and it has me map out the thought that I'm actually using to generate the emotion that motivated me to pick up the worksheet in the first place As I do that, it gets clear what my mind is telling me needs to happen in order for me to have peace or comfort or joy again. That's the goal. And then it, the worksheet helps me reconnect to the loving energy, which which is the energy, it's the mechanism that will facilitate or actually initiate any healing that might happen as a result of this process and then as I step into canceling everything my mind tells me needs to happen I, I step into canceling the thoughts releasing the thoughts releasing my attachment to the emotions releasing my need to be right canceling the goal and breathing and stepping into a process that has me asking to be shown from some source other than my conscious logical mind, some level of insight that in the moment when I'm angry or sad or scared or hurt or frustrated is not visible to me. And the power of that process, you know, Einstein talks about how we were given a precious gift as the intuitive mind. And we were given what Einstein calls a faithful servant, which is the conscious, logical, irrational mind. way of mastery would tell us to, to pardon the language, but it, it was meant to be a very stupid servant, And one of our difficulties is that we live in a culture that has almost entirely forgotten the precious gift, and to take it one step further towards being unproductive, our culture has elevated the faithful servant, what was intended to be a faithful servant, to the level of master. So we rely on what our conscious logical mind tells us is wrong and what needs to happen. And what it does is it keeps us stuck in that process called sustained incoherence that David Bohm was talking about, spinning on the hamster wheel, thinking the same kinds of thoughts over and over again, insane belief that if we do that long enough, it will result in a change for the better. So the worksheet process brilliantly steps into recognizing that I can't solve a problem at the level of mind that was used to create the problem, as Einstein would tell us. So I map out what my conscious logical mind would tell me is right and how I'm right and the world is wrong because it's not working out the way I think it should. And then I cancel all of that and ask to be shown something else from an entirely different source. And the power of tapping into the intuitive mind, the power of asking to be shown, cannot be overstated. My personal experience is that while I might do 20 or 30 or 40 worksheets and not feel much of a a light bulb moment or a flash of insight. I've done enough of these worksheets. I've engaged this process enough to know if when I keep at it, eventually those lightning bolts, those flashes of insight, those expansive moments of clarity are going to be coming my way. And even when they don't happen, the shift in intensity of the negative emotion benefits me by allowing me to see more clearly and interpret more usefully what's actually going on in the world around me. So I did the worksheet last night in the group. I mapped out the goal, thinking about that current life situation. And as I worked through the worksheet, I had the goal that was something to the effect of I want this other person to respect my boundaries and talk to me about what's important in my life. And somewhere in the process, I don't even remember exactly where it was now, It might have been in the release. It might have been even before I got the release to say I'm canceling my need to be right and I cancel the goal. But I had this flash of insight that this goal that came out of me that got written on this piece of paper is almost exactly the same goal that I was holding probably about eight years ago related to someone else and that in itself was a real eye-opener just realizing here's a different person a same kind of intimate relationship but here's the very same goal i want this person to respect my boundaries to me about the important issues in our relationship. Well, for the person who's learned to observe that we create our own experience of life, for the person who's practiced at questioning and asking to be shown, that's a real eye-opener. Michael Rice likes to say it this way. If I've been through the same kind of situation 47 different times with 82 different people, the longer I keep doing that, the closer I moved toward the possibility of recognizing that I might have something to do with it, that I'm the only person that was there every time. So that in itself was a big eye-opener for this worksheet. And it sparked some tears and emotions. Uh, The the, the, um, emotion in this worksheet was sadness. And then when I was breathing and canceling the goal and asking to be shown the hidden parts of my mind, I was shown two very powerful events, one from each of these past relationships, where I heard statements from the other person that resonated this, this belief in me that they don't understand me. They're not respecting me, they're not understanding me and 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 for both of them, they they refused to talk about what was really going on, the important things in their relationship. So I breathed through it. I had a few of those tears. I made notes about how powerful it was to recognize that this is the very same goal, almost identical goal I had for another relationship eight years ago. And then I breathe through it and I asked to be shown a time when, when I may not have respected people's boundaries and I may not have been willing to talk to people about the important issues in a relationship. And I offered that. I offered myself to be open to, to seeing as I move forward in life various times and ways where I have not been open. Where I have not respected others' boundaries and through the course of the worksheet, when I began the worksheet, I had to figure out, okay, which emotion should I work on here? Because I was, as I mentioned in the morning, I was flooded and I was aware of emotional hurt, confusion, sadness, at least those three. So I I had done the, this particular worksheet on sadness, And through the course of the worksheet, it got, became clear to me that my next worksheet should be done on confusion, and another one should be done on the remaining sadness. I went from a level 8 out of 10 upset down to about a 6, and it was probably more like a 4 by the time I got home last night. And then I squeezed in one more worksheet before going to bed last night and I made that the worksheet on confusion. And in that second worksheet, I was down to, um, when I started it, my level of upset at confusion was a six out of ten. And my goal was to be able to understand this person's motives then and now, back when we were in the relationship and now eight years later. And the insight that came at the end of that worksheet was a couple of times in my life where I had felt confusion and moved away from making a difficult choice. And the insight I got from that worksheet was I only use confusion to avoid seeing what my intuition shows me when I don't like what it's showing me. And that that insight was probably a direct result of a discussion we had in the group last night, because in the group last night we were talking about boundaries. My definition for boundaries is everything that I say and do that effectively communicates to others what I feel is acceptable and not acceptable. So as we were talking about that, and sometimes when I talk to people about that, they think, wow, that's a great idea, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to demonstrate to people that I, can't, I won't put up with this, et cetera. And what I found myself saying in the group last night was the difficult cool thing about boundaries is When I go to effectively communicate to somebody what is acceptable or not acceptable to me, I really need to be okay with whatever they choose to do in response to that. I need to be okay with the consequences of my choices, of my statements. Because sometimes people will say, all right, then I want nothing to do with you. Or they'll say, okay, but I'm not going to do what you want. I'm just going to keep being racist or abusive or raging or whatever, and then it's up to me to act on, to make my actions fit my words when I say I don't want to be around somebody who's raging or I don't want to be around somebody who keeps telling racist jokes or whatever. If I'm not willing to follow through and act on what I have said are these things are acceptable and these things are not acceptable to me, then I really shouldn't put it out there. And we had that discussion because there are actual consequences to what I say and do. Well, as a result of that and then going home later last night and doing a worksheet on the confusion... that there have been times in my life where i've manufactured the emotion of confusion because i did not want to accept the insight my intuition was giving me because it was it would mean i would have to make a difficult choice i would have to walk away from a relationship or stay in a difficult relationship even longer or fill in the blank when you have a a situation that you don't really want to do. So there's just uh, an endless wealth of information available to each and every one of us when we are willing to step out of what our conscious logical mind is telling us, especially when it's accompanied by a negative emotional state. And once we step out of the the game of dancing with that conscious logical mind and what it wants to keep telling us and ask to be shown, there's an endless wealth of creativity and insight available for every one of us. So I'll take a breath and take a drink of water and ask if anybody has any comments or questions. We have... Yeah, at least fifteen minutes left. Area code five six three nine 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 three five eight one. If you press no one when you call that number, we can have a conversation. I must confess that with all the emotions around these worksheets, I'm only hoping that this is holding together and making sense for people. So if you can. Verify that this is making sense and or you have a clarifying question, please give us a call, 563-999-3581, and press 1. Thank you for the text message saying that it did make sense. And we have 15 minutes left. How can we support you? What's a comment you have about this or any other topic we've brought up in the past nine and a half years. Remind everybody that you can get access to extensive a fairly extensive list of audio files of shows where people have been stepped through that worksheet process. So you've got the example I just outlined and you've got at least ten others from various topics (laughs) someone keeps test texting so um that's that's this is on you for texting this is on you this is all about you
0: Uh, okay right that was fabulous that was fabulous i'm lying here on the couch with a cat on my stomach thinking i am in heaven I am totally in heaven to be taken into your life like that you who, who have been a mentor to us and to have you demonstrate the worksheet from the teacher's point of view and show us that you're you're a student and you always say that there hasn't been any any confusion about that, but it was just great it was just great i'm really so I'm just overjoyed to have have you taken that time and told that and the business of boundaries though I would love to ask a question about boundaries I did not understand your definition of boundary I think of boundaries as staying my in my own lane and establishing clear edges and um, consulting with myself first uh, to see whether something is comfortable or not and doing the same for the other considering that they probably have a lane that they would like to stay in. I've been very wishy-washy about boundaries and have learned some about them from my work with the intervention coach for Alcoholics Anonymous because most families with an addict of any kind in it, most families have boundary issues big time, and we certainly did. So anyway...
2: With all of these things, it's it's a great question, And, and thank you for asking the clarifying question. With all of these things, it's all about the definition. And so I might have a very different definition of it than somebody else, which is why when I bring this up, I give my definition. My definition for boundaries is everything that I say and do that effectively communicates to the people around me about what I think is acceptable and not acceptable.
0: Mm,
2: Good. And so, you know, sometimes when people think boundaries, they think of a gate or a wall or uh, a room they don't let people in or things they won't share with people or activities they won't do. And that's okay. That's a valid definition. I'm interested in being clear about the definition so that we can have an effective communication.
0: Mm, that's good. So my I get
2: definition, it. my definition is everything I say and do, which effectively communicates to others what I believe is acceptable and not acceptable. Right. All right. And sometimes people say, wow, that's great. I'm going to start setting boundaries with these people. They're going to know what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to teach these people. (laughs) Right. And I say, okay, um, that's very good. That's a good thing to, you know, have as your goal. And now let me tell you the part of this that most people really don't like. What's that? That is that... Everything I say and do educates the people around me about what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. And they say, well, what does that mean? I said, well, take the example of the parent who says hundreds and hundreds of times during the, the raising of their child, truth always, never lie. Whatever you do, you might get in trouble for doing it, but if you lie, you're going to get in even more trouble. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free, and all of these proclamations. Mm. And then that child grows up and becomes a teenager. And one day, they're at home on the weekend, and the phone rings. And they pick up the phone, and it's their Aunt Betty. And they say, oh, Dad, Aunt Betty, it's Aunt Betty on the phone. And Dad says, tell her I'm not home. And in that one action, the truth that the parent lives by is communicated more powerfully and effectively than all of the hundred times the parent gave lectures about the truth is important. And that one action sets a boundary, tells the, the, the teenager what the parent really feels about being acceptable and not acceptable right so boundaries good boundary work with me is for me it's not about the other person it's about me making sure what i say lines up with what i do and so when i say i don't want to be around people who are hurtful who are racist who are misogynist who are name any category i don't want to be around people who are the color you know blue with purple stripes it doesn't matter matter. if those people come around me and i say i don't want to be around you and i just sit there and keep saying i don't want to be around you i don't want to and but i don't move my words are saying one thing and my actions are saying another Hmm. but when i move away from those people or consciously work to refuse to engage with those people, now my actions are lining up with my words, and I'm effectively communicating what I believe is acceptable and not acceptable. And as Mm. I pointed out earlier in this conversation, I need to be willing the consequences of that. Right. It's going to have consequences, I may have right. to leave a lucrative job. I may have to give up meeting with um, a, a, a favored group of friends because maybe they decide to um, you know do illicit drugs, and I'm not into those illicit drugs, or maybe they decide to all have open marriages and share sexual partners, and I'm not into that for myself or my. I need to be willing to accept the consequences of the choices I make, and then effectively communicate to the people around me. And if I'm not willing to accept the consequences of those choices, I'm better off not trying to set that, that quote, boundary, that limit. Because if I say one thing and do another, I break the boundary machine. I destroy my mm-hmm. credibility. I make it harder for people to believe that I mean what I say. So does that clear up the definition of boundaries the way I was using it?
0: Yes, it's really amazing because it's making me realize how healthy a person has to be to be able to set and keep boundaries. You can't have a a leak somewhere.
2: Let's let's look at it this way. Take a breath or two. Notice that what you just said sets it up to say you can't set boundaries until you get healthy, and I would encourage you to look at it this way. Breathe into this and notice how much healthier I can be and my relationships can be as I work to improve the consistency between what I say and what I do.
0: Now, that's good.
2: It isn't a matter of I need to get really healthy before I can set boundaries. It's that as I work at getting better at matching what I say with what I do, I effectively communicate what's acceptable and not acceptable. Mm -hmm. I follow through on having communicated that with both my words and my thoughts. I get healthier. My relationships get healthier.
0: Mm -hmm. That's like that thing in the course of love of putting putting yourself in the mind of Christ, even if you're not quite there, just putting yourself there or being that putting it on, yeah well <sighs> thanks a lot for that, Tim that whole whole ride. <laughs>
2: You're entirely welcome and deserving. And that, you know, this is not the only definition for boundaries. It's not the only useful definition for boundaries. It's just a really powerful way for me to think about and communicate about what I will accept and not accept, what I think is acceptable and not acceptable, what I will do to demonstrate what I'm comfortable having in my life, participating in, etc. And everybody gets to choose. Mm. And I may have people that I, I really want to spend more time with, but they start engaging in activities that, i don't find useful or pleasant and i might communicate with them and they might really want to have you know spend time with me we might have this group of friends or it might be a an individual relationship but if i effectively communicate that i don't want to put up with name calling or swearing or you know somebody's got pornography out all over their living room every time i go over there and i say you know i like spending time with you but i really know pornography or whatever whatever it is if i Mm -hmm. say this is what's acceptable to me and this isn't this is what i'm willing to put up with and this is what i'm not if they don't choose to change then i love the way guy finley says this the next thing is then i am not responsible for what they put themselves through when I leave. Notice, it's not me causing their sadness. It's not me causing their pain. It's not me causing their hurt or upset. If I've been clear about my choice, about what's acceptable and not acceptable, then... When I leave, if they go through upset, that's what they are putting themselves through. That's the mm. natural consequence of what they've chosen in their life. Just as yeah. my lack of having them in my life is a natural consequence of me setting that boundary that I need to be willing <clears throat> to cope with. I might have sadness.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? When I well, was figuring out my, my email responses to this person that I mentioned from yesterday. I had to get clear before I, I hit send on any of those emails because as I set the limits, it's entirely possible this person will go away for another eight or ten or sixteen years.
0: Right.
2: And I need to be okay with that before mm-hmm. I communicate that Otherwise, I set myself up to be more likely to break my own boundaries, to to go back against what Mm. I said was important to me, to act Mm. in a way that's not congruent with what I said, and therefore undermine my own credibility. So, we've done it again. We've spent the whole hour um, there's another hour coming up with Michael and Jeannie and um, this is a Friday so we will be back on Monday and we'll have support groups again on Tuesday and Thursday information mm-hmm. on those support groups is at mindshiftersacademy.org thank you again so much Susan for your texts and comments and um, mm-hmm. I'll mute you and and remind us all that we come from love we're made of this stuff we call love We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed the recordings this week have been powerful, with Tim going through doing worksheets as an example. All of those can be picked up on MindShiftersAcademy.org. He has them in the um, quote-unquote best of audios, and so you can pick those up and listen to them. So welcome to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. Today's Thursday december the 29th 2022 and our call-in number is 563-999-3581 and press one and that puts you into queue to talk to us and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show and we'll give michael a moment to get dialed in and i'll direct you to our website again which is whyagain.org and click on the start here button it's a good place to start and it will take and I, my computer's running slow and so the first thing you'll see when that page comes up is the video that will give you instructions to navigate the website and then instructions how to navigate the app and then we've added several new things of course we've been announcing that the shop has now changed and we're running a heartland maintenance fundraiser and you've got uh today's the 29th so you've got two more days if you make a donation for a tax deduction uh for this year and in the shop there is a coupon and while you can't use a purchase as a tax deduction any of the purchases made with that coupon will uh the funds will go into the heartland maintenance fund which is what we're running right at the moment and uh so let's see, what else is on there that's different? We uh, have under healing, I have now added one that says healing from the ground up and homegrown park. So we've been talking about both of those the last couple of days. So you can click on those and get some more information. And uh, then there is, I've been on the uh, website for the last few days for so long that uh I, I couldn't tell you everything that I have added, but there's a lot of different things. So if you go out there and click, oh, the uh, book club from last week, the recording is is on the website now. And the next book club is going to be January the 12th, and they're going to go through a worksheet. They have completed the book, going through the book three chapters at a time. And so this come on uh, January the 12th, uh, they'll be w- doing a worksheet in the book club. So join there. All of the information on how to log in is on the website. You can go under schedules or events, either one, and then global online book club. Then January the 14th is the next Mind Shifter Still Point Breathing, and if you want to be part of that. So any of those things, if you need more information or you want to be part of it or you can't find it on the website, drop me a line at Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E, at whyagain.org, and let me know what's going on, and we'll see what we can do to help you. Welcome, Michael.
3: Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Delighted and honored that you're here. And as we roll up to the end of the year, I just uh, hold the space that this year has been a year of awakening and experience for each and every one of us, and that the new year is... uh, the proverbial turning over of a new leaf and moving out of spaces that have put us in a state of pain and usually to be in that state of pain there has to be a membership in a church. To be in pain you have to be a member of the church of blame, the one world religion because if you're actually taking responsibility, if you're actually owning what's going on inside of you, then you are able to access what's going on inside of you, as Tim very clearly explained in the worksheet that he did in that last session. Gene and I were eating breakfast and listening to that what I hear Tim describing is stepping out of his replicant mind as a creator into conscious relationship with himself. And so I hold the space that each and every one of us can step up to the plate as creators and recognize that we are either creating our lives unconsciously, which means we're creating our lives out of pain, turmoil, trauma, resistance, fear, trepidation, whatever it is, And by doing so, we are unconsciously replicating the past dynamics of our families. As long as one chooses to remain unconscious, they are simply replicate creators. And replicate means they simply replicate. They simply do it over and over and over. There's a book about that. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Why Is This Happening to Me Again? There's a workshop about that, which you might want to if you've listened to it only once or twice, or maybe you've only listened to it 15 times it may be time to listen to it again and recognize that as a creator, you can't stop creating. There's the power person dynamic, and if it's been instilled in your mind by a family that lived and, and played its life out out of trauma then that trauma instilled in your mind will replicate. It will keep playing. That's what creators do. They create. You can't not create. And so as a creator, if you're not operating out of love, if you're not operating as love, for love, then you're operating to replicate the past. Again, you can go to the website, whyagain.org. In the opening page, there's a picture of the book. Why is this happening to me again? Click the link, go download one of the translations and start reading. Start reminding yourself. And recognize that your function as a human being is not to do all the stuff the world has entrapped you in. It's not to defend yourself. It's not to struggle. It's not to fight. It's not to control. It's not to do any of those things. It's to create consciously, to develop. You know, if you look at our uh, On Creating Consciously workshop, if you look at our Purpose workshop, the primary purpose of a human being is to develop a viable conscious spiritual body. If you have the blessing of severe challenges in your life right now, then, my offering would be you've probably been resisting doing the work that it takes to develop this viable, conscious spiritual body, so life is coming along with a two by four, upside the head again and saying, "Pay attention, there's work to be done." The work you know it's kind of like if you want to win the Olympic weightlifting championship, you go into the gym and you work out and you work out and you work out and you work out. Now, some people say that's too much work. Well, okay, so, so be a replicate creator instead of a conscious creator. If you're blaming someone else, you're expecting someone else to do the work that you have to do. That's the one world religion. You know, there, there are a lot of people out there, especially in fundamentalist circles, that are talking about this terror. their terror at this one world religion that's coming. It's a satanic religion. Excuse me? If that's what you believe, you're already a member of that church the one-world religion of blame. 2,000 years ago, a group of the 12 disciples that we know of today and then a, another group, we're not told exactly how many it is, came together with Yeshua. And in essence, they said, well, what do, we, what do we need to do here? What's the job? And Yeshua tells them what the job is. Fully half of the disciples, so it looks like probably about 12 of them, grumbled and moaned and said, too hard a saying, and they left. Too hard a saying. Many believe it's too hard. Oh, I have too much suffering. Oh, there's too much pain. There's too much trauma in the world. Excuse me. There's no trauma in the world. If you're experiencing trauma, the trauma is in you. And in doing the work that it takes, that's the gym you need to go into. You know, I can remember when I was a kid, I used to lift weights. I mean, in high school, man, I lifted weights and I lifted weight and I lifted weights until my muscles burned. And I got to the point where I was fairly good at it. But I'll tell you. I went through a lot of pain to do that. A lot of time, a lot of energy. I mean, I would go into the gym every day after school. I don't even remember now how long, but there were a group of us, and and we would work for hours. Do you want a viable conscious spiritual body? Then as you start to do the work of forgiveness, that forgiveness is like the exercise room for developing that spiritual body. And I'd offer... I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the, you know, the president of the world or the doctor, the lawyer, or the Indian chief. Your purpose is to develop as love and to function for love in the world. And if you're not doing that, the universe has got a two-by-four for you. As you consciously, purposely step into doing that work, you will remove the energetic dynamics that feel like the universe is hitting you with the two-by-four and you'll realize you're doing it to yourself. And if if you spend a lifetime and you come from a thousand generations of self-abusers, then it's going to take significant work. It can be done. I remember working with one woman. Actually, I didn't work with her directly. A friend of hers had done my work for several years and... This woman had gone to the doctor. She was sick. The doctors did all the tests, and and they threw their hands up and said, I don't know what to do. You're dying, and I don't know why. And there's nothing I can do about it. So she went home and laid on the couch to die. She was in such pain and trauma. Her friend my student, had a set of my videos and took them over to her. And this woman is laying on the couch with the diagnosis that you're dying and there's nothing the medical profession can do. And she just watched videos. She didn't do work. She didn't lift a pen. But she simply exposed herself to the thinking which is one of the purposes of this radio show, to create a space where anybody can come any time of the day or night and get support for thinking differently than the disease efforts of the world. And I don't remember now, this goes back, this is probably 30 years ago. I don't even remember this woman's name. She was out out west. She was out in, I think, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, if I remember correctly. I don't remember exactly what the time frame was, but she just laid on the couch dying watching these videos and all of a sudden, she had a turnaround. And she went back to the doctor and the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but you're going to be okay. Now, my offering is what she did was she changed her mind. Now, since then, we've developed and refined the tools that can accelerate the process. I don't know what it was that had her being receptive at that moment to that shift of energy that she went through. Remember that your body is nothing but an analog. An analog means a picture of, a reflection of your mind. Not my mind, not Charlie's mind, not Bill's mind, not Harry's mind, not Hortense's mind, but your mind. And if you've been engaging in energies that don't support life, then your physiology moves toward suffering and death. And it's all self-inflicted. Remember the definition of sin from the Aramaic, S-I-N. Self-inflicted nonsense. Is Sin is an archery term that means off the mark. This is a device I would offer. This body-mind unit is custom-made to incarnate and embody love in the world. And if you're not doing it, you're in pain. And if you're not doing it, you're not fulfilling your purpose. And it's time to start doing it. Of course, the longer one is spent in the world of trauma, generally speaking, the more time it's going to take to move through that trauma to strengthen the spiritual muscle of being a conscious spiritual being. There is what we call the mind of the body carbon-based memory, remember that every energy that comes to you is registered holographically in every cell in your structure, including the sperm and the egg, it's all energy. And if you were to conceive a child tomorrow, that child would have in its structure every thought you've ever thought, every feeling you've ever felt, every reality you've ever engaged in, as it would have the same of your partner, as you and I have of our parents and there before them. So many of the things that you may end up having to deal with that will be your lifting of weights, your exercise routine, will be freeing yourself from those energetic patterns. The dozen or so disciples that left Yeshua saying too hard a saying were like, I don't want to do that work. That's not in my... No way. That's too hard to make those kind of changes. Well, you know, I guess if that's what you believe, but there is a technology, there is a set of tools with which you can systematically, consciously, consistently, and persistently undo the past. You can undo the past as long as you're blaming the present. If you're not operating for love as love, then you're going to simply replicate the past. And, of course, your mind will come up with how you can blame everybody. It'll be everybody else's fault. The objective of this work is to loose you from your mind and its construct based in any form of hostility or fear. When you, and and basically what forgiveness does is unties you from your own mind. It isn't about letting somebody else off the hook because of what's going on in your mind. That's all a world based in projection. That's all Greek malarkey. Very technical world for crap. Word, pardon me, malarkey. I think it's an old Scottish word. And, you know, the insanity has been going on for so many generations. You've got to loose yourself from the grip of that mind, carbon-based memory. And you loose yourself so fully that you get to play consciously in the world that is governed by pure being, that you get to play consciously as love for love. That is, you get to face all of your sin. And again, don't go Greek on me, please. Oh, sin, that awful evil thing I've done, I'm a sinner. No, you're not. It's a lie. Have you engaged in energies that don't belong? Have I? Yeah, we sure have. Does that make us the identity sinner? Absolutely not. It's the biggest lie ever told. Remember, Jeannie and I were in Fort Lauderdale several years ago, and we went to a church that I probably wouldn't normally go to, but we were invited there. And there were several young people, kids. I don't know, I guess maybe, I don't know, 9 to 13, something like that. They were being induced into church membership. And they brought these kids up to the front of the church. It was a large television church, one of these big deals. And the first thing that every kid had to say in order to become a member of the church, the first thing every kid had to do was take on a totally complete false lie, an identity that isn't true. They had to proclaim. They had to say it out loud in front of this whole group of people. I am a sinner. You'll notice that every time you pick up a worksheet, you proclaim who you are. I, Michael, who am love, quote, unquote, sinned in that sense. Yes, each of us is engaged in energies that don't belong. But that doesn't change our identity as the offspring of God, because that's who you are. Whatever the world has told you, whatever lies, whatever traumas, whatever fears, whatever hatreds, whatever abuses have gone on, the truth about you is you are the offspring of God. Can you make space for that to come into you? You know I've had visuals where I've you know sort of been able to conceive of this mind of the body that sometimes we're glued to that we believe with all of our might, and you know i've I've used the visual for me personally of imagining that that mind right at the top of my structure is like a cork. Imagine that that cork, that mind, with all of its drama and trauma and its past and its generations, imagine that mind, the cork is coming a little bit loose, and as it does, you're just inviting the creator to leak in the presence of love. Just let that opening happen, and let that energy of love leak into every cell of your structure. Let yourself breathe and just receive that. Ask for that. I'm ready to have this truth of the presence of love that I am, the being that I am. I'm ready to have that bypass what this cork in my the top of my structure is holding on to, I'm willing to loose that cork and just allow that presence of love to permeate every cell in my structure. And as it permeates every cell in my structure, it begins to displace everything that never belonged, begins to weaken and transmute if you're not familiar with the concept of transmutation, you put a seed in the ground. That seed has a program in it. And when water comes and soaks away the inhibitor, the enzyme inhibitors... They keep the enzymes from becoming activated. The enzymes in the seed become activated and the program there starts to unfold, transmutes. It changes things from one form into the other. So here's this seed. Imagine the enzyme inhibitors have been soaked away. There's enough water for the enzyme inhibitors to be removed. And the program begins to unfold, the program of transmutation. In other words, the seed absorbs water and with it minerals and nutrients, phytochemicals. It absorbs the heat from the soil. And there's a food supply within that seed that feeds its growth and it begins to grow. And a little white point sticks up through the earth and the next level of transmutation occurs. It's called photosynthesis. And that little white coming up out of the earth from the seed receives sunlight and according to the structure within the seed you know, if you want corn, you're going to have to plant a corn seed. You can't plant a tomato. If you plant a tomato seed, that little white shoot that comes up starts to absorb sunlight and photosynthesizes. It begins to take the water that came in, the nutrients that came in, the sunlight, and transmutes them and begins to expand this stem that's going to take all of those ingredients and transmute them, change them into something else. And guess what? In about 90 days or so, maybe 120, you're going to be holding a pound and a quarter tomato. We got to do this this summer. It was awesome. We've been really nurturing this all here. And, and literally, we got to hold there was one, one picture where I, I posted a picture of Aria holding one of these tomatoes, and it's almost as big as her face. A tomato like I've never tasted before. All the ingredients were there. And, I mean, I haven't tasted a tomato like this in 40 years. And it's all a product of transmutation. Water came in. How does water turn into a tomato? Sun, how does sunlight turn into a tomato? How do these nutrients, what, what, what is this? It's called transmutation. The primary, one of the primary laws of the universe, and this kind of sounds a little strange, but just go with me. It's called the perpetual transmutation of radiant energy. The perpetual changing of one form of energy into another, and that is creatorship. You were designed by love, for love, as love, to work for love in the world. If you haven't been doing that, then your process of transmutation has led you to all kinds of garbage, trauma and drama, conflict, and, and until you recognize that's your process of transmutation and are willing to give it up, if you keep talking to somebody else about how it's their fault that you're where you are, it's their fault that you're suffering, you'll continue to transmute, continue to create the same old dramas and traumas. And you'll say to yourself year after year, decade after decade, Lifetime after lifetime. Why can't I get away from this? Why is this happening to me again? When you consciously, purposely begin to function from love, as love, for love, then you'll change the transmutation game that you play, produce a whole different world. But you can't blame the world for why is this happening to me again and create anything different than the why is this happening to me again. You can't point the finger and blame everybody else for what you're going through again and ever change what you're going through. Because your brain can only operate with the content that it's got. When you truly choose to apply forgiveness, which means you have to quit the church blame. You have to quit the game of talking about how everybody else is the reason you're where you are. And then you begin to develop a viable conscious spiritual body. And notice that everything you need will be provided. If you need another experience of trauma and drama, another why is this happening to me again, hey, just hold on to your old energetic patterns and you'll transmute according to that. And guess what? You'll get to do it to yourself again and again and again and again until you finally go, hmm, been through this 87 different times with 42 different people. Maybe it's time for me to wake up and go, huh, I'm the one who's been here every time. Yeah, I've been able to blame this one and that one and that one. My whole life I've always had somebody to blame. But here I am, the same old transmutation. Changing your mind is not a skill that comes easily. You know, Paul talked about how your life is transformed, he says. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You can't play out of the world mind. You can't play out of the mind of the past and get a new experience. It's just not possible. That law of the perpetual transmutation of radiant energy applies. It means you're a creator. You can consciously choose to refocus, to remove, forgive what doesn't belong, and refocus your creative process out of love. But you can't go around in misery and drama and pain and blame everybody else and have that happen. (laughs) You just can't do it. There comes a point where you have to step up to the plate and quit that church, that one world religion of blame. when you do, you then get to write the program. You know, the tomato has a program in it. tomato program, if we were to read it, would sort of say something like, okay, we take a little bit of water, we take a few minerals, we take a little sunshine, and we got the warmth of the sun, and, the, and then we're going to build ourselves a tomato. The apple seed has a different program in it. We're going to take some water and some minerals and some sunshine and the warmth in the sun, and we're going to make an apple. And the human either replicates the we're going to make from the past and blames somebody else for it or steps up to the plate and says, hmm, I think I'll weaken the frequencies from the past that have been running my transmutation process. I think I'll forgive and I think I'll get conscious in my spiritual body And whenever I am tempted to fall from grace, to fall from my role as the created essence of love, whenever I'm tempted to go back to the old mind and get sucked into its pain and its trauma and drama again and start to replicate, I say, stop. No, I'm not going to have that conversation with somebody else and blame them. I'm going to stop and I'm going to own this. Ah, here's what's in me, and I'm going to bring the root of it forward in the presence of the love that I am, and I'm going to transmute that. And when you transmute those pained programs through the active presence of love, then you get to start to create from love. Your tissue structure goes, oh, how awesome is this? We're not going to do drama and trauma anymore? We're going to quit that world? Process, it takes time. It takes work. And we've gotten to watch thousands of people over the last 50 years, who pick up the tools and actually use them. They don't talk about them, they use them. They don't have a conversation about how it's your fault that I'm here and expect their lives to change. They actually grow up, take responsibility, and move out of the trauma-based world. They face themselves, and they function as the conscious active presence of love. And that's what we're here to support. That's what we're here to be part of. That's what we're here to keep reminding. You know, the the uh, the programs in the mind are so subtle; they can suck us in on a minute's notice. They can suck us into that blame game, into that. I'm only here because of you. I deserve something else, but I'm here because of you. No, no. The reason you're here saying, why is this happening to me again, again, is because you're a creator creating the result. And so I deeply appreciate, especially going into the new year, the fact that each and every one of you is here, engaged in this conversation, and hopefully passing it on to someone else. One of the ways to learn this work is to teach it. You know, just sit somebody down with the worksheet. You don't have to know a whole lot about the worksheet. Just be the space and walk them through whatever it is that's going on in them and watch the changes that occur. It's absolutely monumental and pretty awesome. So that's what we're here for. That's what our work together is about. We are honored and delighted that you are here to be part of the process. And if you're out there in listener land, perhaps stuck in why is this happening to me again, then our purpose is to have a conversation with you and support you in recognizing how to change the core of the transmutation process that you're engaged in. How to change the why is this happening to me again experience into something new. And, you know, to develop the skills and refine your skills at really truly functioning as conscious, active, present love to function as you're designed to function. So we're here to support you. We're here to be part of your process. And the, the the beautiful benefit of that is that at the same time, we get to learn it on a whole new level each time.
1: You have a handout.
3: Which is really quite an amazing system. And Ms. Jeannie tells me that we have somebody who's ready for some conversation about that. So let's uh, check in with our caller.
4: 843, I believe this is Ms. Paula. Welcome to the show. Michael, um, I talked to you earlier today. I want to ask you, and there's so much confusion about it, what is your take on demonic possession?
3: My take on demonic possession is that if we accumulate enough negative mind energy that as creators, we can tie into the belief of something's possessing me so deeply that we formulate, just like we formulated the image. You know, Yeshua talks about how in order for you to live you've got to die. We've created a whole false self based on these energies of hostility and fear and that's who most people think they are. And Yeshua says that self has to go. That self ultimately has to be released, has to be forgiven. So we can form this self that isn't. Remember when I was a kid I had a a record, a 33 LP record that I used to listen to over and over and over again, and it was a story about the bear that wasn't. Most people function out of a fear and hostility, false self that replaces the truth of their created essence, which is love. And that's an entity. That's being pos- demonic possession. And we can formulate that into any kind of entity that we unconsciously can generate within us. Our objective here is to remove those energetic patterns so that the what we could call the demon self or we we called in this work the non being mind, the non being self, the self based in hostility or fear, just loses its grip. And all it is is our own thoughts that show up in our minds as the picture we look at with our eyes in the mirror and we think that that self is who we are. And it's not. And so The same tool applies as with any other negative mind energy as you apply forgiveness, bring that false either the self, the demon self, we could say the self based in hostility or fear, or we can project it into, you know, all sorts of crazy things. You know, if you look at Dante's Inferno, I think that Dante's Inferno is probably one of the greatest atrocities ever done to human beings because it gave them a way to visualize all these horrible things that were outside of them that they had nothing to do with and they could blame. But is there some kind of evil creature that gets into your mind and takes you over? No. No, that's all a projection. But we can make of ourselves the evil creature and be possessed by a self that rages, that guilts itself, that lives in fear and hatred and vengeance and all sorts of things. And you get rid of that demon, so to speak, the same way as you forgive anything else. Thought by thought by thought. You dissolve those, and, and again, that's like the exercise room. That's like going into the gym. That's how you strengthen the spiritual muscle, the truth of who you are.
4: Does that make sense? Yeah, but I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed right now with everything going on. But, yeah, that it makes sense.
3: So, so here's what you do. You recognize that here I am in the middle of my model, and I have work to do. And then you just take care of yourself, get gentle with yourself, recognize there's work to do, and you step up to the plate and you do your work. Now, you know, sometimes one of the ways that people set themselves up for failure is, oh, okay, I got it, I'm going to fix all this by tomorrow afternoon. You ain't going to fix it by tomorrow afternoon. And you're not going to fix it by, you know, December 31st of 2023 or 24 or 25 or 26 or 27 or 28, but what you're going to do is you're going to acquire the skill of loosing your mind, your generational mind, from the hostilities and fears that have been implanted and practiced in your bloodline just like it was in mine and just like it has been in virtually everybody else's. And you're going to... Deal with those things, and you're going to remove them. You know, we just finished watching, um, or, or we're in the process of watching a series on Netflix called the, the The Crown, and it's a very intimate look at the royal family in England. It's a it's a long series. I don't know. I think we've watched. I don't know how many. Are we in the eighth season or something, Jeannie? You know, it it, it was interesting last night's session just kind of it's getting close to the end of the series and it it does a summation of so many different lives in the royal family and you know, it's interesting here these people most look up to them and go wow, the royal family they've got the yacht like beyond anything anybody's got they've got the palaces the the money the the paintings the beautiful furniture the beautiful spaces and they are some of the most miserable people i have ever seen some of the most traumatized children and parents and generational fear and abuse that's been passed on and passed out to to each of them for generations and when we try to create rather than fulfill our real function to recognize ourselves as love, to create from love, create for the presence of love in the world. When we try to get stuff to make ourselves happy, we move deeper and deeper and deeper. And just watching this series to me has just taught me just how, you know, I mean, they got all the money you can imagine. They got the power. And they're trying to get something from the world because the world must have what they want. And that's what most everybody's doing. If the world could only change, then I'd have what I want. Then I'd... They got it all. Everything that everybody would ever look at and say, boy, if I had that, would I ever be happy? No, you wouldn't. You'd be this, you know and I'm talking to myself and anybody else, you'd be the same if you're in misery, you'd be the same miserable self with a bunch of stuff. (laughs) It's like the stuff doesn't, you know, the mind plays this game, this projection of, oh, if only I had that, then I could be happy. You watch young people. Oh, if only I finished school. If only I had the great job. If only I had the promotion. If only I had the savings certificates. If only I had the gold. If I, then, then, if I had the family, if I had the child, then I could be happy. And it's all a pile of crap. People trying to create out of their hostility or fear, simply create more hostility or fear. And they hold on to the projection that something outside of them, if it would just
4: change, then I could be happy.
3: Excuse me? until you discover who you are. First line in the worksheet. I, Paula, who am love. Now, when you write that sentence, your next worksheet might be about the thought you hold that you're something other than that. Well, wait a minute, Michael. I'm this, I'm that. I've got this, I've got that. You know something? You bought into a lie. And most everybody has. That's why the work of discovering the truth of who we are and then beginning to yeah. loose ourselves from the constructs of the generational mind that has tricked us at the answer somewhere outside of us. If only this person would do it right. If only that person would cooperate with me. If only, if only, if only. Well, if you could force, you know, if you had, if you take any individual, You know, we look at the royal family and, you know, here's Prince Philip and if only his mother and if only his wife and if only his lover and if only his, if only they would. And you know what? If he could, if he had the magic power to get them all to do his if only, he'd be the same miserable self as he is today. So would everybody else. If you could make everybody do everything you wanted them to do, it wouldn't change the state of your mind one bit. Now, the mind will lie and say, no, Michael, you don't understand. Man, if I had that, then I would be happy. If you don't have constitutional connection to love as who you are, and I don't care what you've got, you're not happy. This whole series has shown, I mean, we've been watching, you know, it's, it's Netflix, so there no commercials we get to watch a, a year in a matter of a few weeks. And I think we're seventh or eighth season, something like that. And there's this whole procession of people from from princes to kings to to prime ministers, to, and everybody's like, "Yeah, if only that would change then. If only I would forgive every piece of mind energy within me that creates my unhappiness, my diseases. If I would alleviate." my tissue structure from that, then I would function as love and my seedling, my apple tree, my tomato plant, my body would start to give fruit to what I am, which is love. And if something else else possesses me, and most of the world is possessed, that's part of the one world religion of blame. Is everybody who's a part of it is demon-possessed, and they think the demon's out there? Step by step, with forgiveness, you weaken the hold that those demons have on you. And when they no longer have a hold, you discover, oh my God. Oh, this is who I am. And then you start to consciously create your life from that space. So that's where we're heading. That's the objective of everything we're doing. That's why we've been doing this radio show for the last eight years, so that we could learn it as we teach it. And I love what Richard Bach says in his book, Illusions. He says, we teach best that which we most need to learn. So you can easily tell that the main thing I need to learn is forgiveness, and here I am teaching it. been doing it for 40-plus years, and you know I'm getting a better handle on it every day. Not perfect at it yet. I'll I'll acknowledge that, you know, having developed this work over the last 50 years, been doing it personally, that some of the most important work that I've done personally, and I'm talking about my own personal process, has been done in just the last two years. So I can assure you that 50 years from now you'll still be doing your work. But I'll tell you what, you won't be living in the same world as you are today. You won't even know what that world looked like 50 years from now.
1: So Paula, did that answer your question?
3: (laughs) Yeah. And as it perhaps um, answered your question, it probably raises a thousand others, and that's part of the learning process.
4: Well, and another, okay, Alvis, Mass, people talk about calling you know you got to protect yourself from this protect yourself from that um and people calling on angels for protection and yada yep. yada yep. and protect yep. yourself from from EMFs and and yada yada and i can't i can't when the course says um it, what is it and your defenselessness lies your Use security or whatever it says lies.
3: In my defense, I, system, I, I, I add the word power in there, but power and safety lie. Yeah, because, okay, my and, and mind cannot that comprehend lesson, that. Okay, well, let's see if we can help you comprehend it. So here's the basis of that lesson. It's, it's, it's basically what I've been talking about the whole session so far. You are a creator. If as a creator you buy into, oh, there's something out there that's going to attack me, what did I just call for from the universe? I literally, I mean, we can measure these high-energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. When I think I need to be protected from something, whatever the something is, I just set up a call for it. So here's what goes out over the measurable high-energy wave that leaves the mind when we think a thought. Hey, world, I know that there's this kind of terrible attack out there. Is there anybody that knows how to attack me just like that? And the Creator has set up the world to say, Okay, ask and you receive, so I'll send you somebody to attack you. And sure enough, there will be attack, and it will look just like what you created. And when you forgive that, and you go, oh, I don't need to be protected. I need to function as love, for love, and reflect who I am in the world then the person who yesterday would have responded, in fact, maybe, is right at your front door right this minute, ready with the gun to attack you, change that energy in you, and you let go of the need for that attack, creator. The person with the gun in their hand that's waiting for you to answer the door puts the gun back in their pocket and says, Hey, I just dropped by to say hello. I heard you're an awesome person and I wanted to meet you. And the meeting will be one that will be a reflection of love. They'll walk out your door and go down the road. If they still hold the capacity for attack, well, they may find somebody, one of your neighbors, that's ready for attack and be attracted in and go for it. So in my defenselessness, if I set up that there's some sort of an attack coming as a creator, I'm unconsciously creating something attacking me. If I give that up, then there's nothing to attack me. Creators only have to deal with what they create. And if you want to know you know, they they said to Yeshua, Well, how do we tell where somebody's at? He says, You look at your fruit. You look at the expression, you look at what you got going on. There's what you've been asking for. Now, are you willing to take that level of responsibility and change the asking? So in my defenselessness Is there all kinds of crazy stuff going on out there in the world? Yep. But you know what? It can't come near me. Job gave us a really, really powerful example. If you read the whole book of Job, but I mean, the stuff that happened to him was horrible, horrific. But if you remember, one of his conclusions was, finally, you remember that Job started out with a, a fear. And they tell us in the book of Job that he was a good, uprighteous man. But he had a fear. Do you remember what his fear was? If you read the book, if you read the book, what you'll find is Job had a fear that his children weren't going to do it as well as he did, that they weren't going to be good and uprighteous. And then one of his conclusions, as you read through the book of Job, the whole story is about his healing process. What, and, you know, I mean, he loses everything. Everything's gone. He's covered in boils. He's in pain. He loses his family. He loses his well. Everything's gone. And he finally comes to the conclusion, oh, that which I feared most has come upon me. Job discovered, oh my God, I'm a creator and I set all this crap up. So I think I'll just return to being a creator as love and everything and more is restored to him. That's the story of Job. So if I buy into a world of fear, then I get to play with all the attack going, all the attack that's possible. And when I give it up, I change the game. There are no innocent victims. they are only volunteers. And guess how you volunteer to be attacked? You buy into, oh my God, I'm going to be attacked. And guess what? You get to be attacked. You got what you asked for. The issue is so clear in so many ways. There's a workshop we call "Uncreating Consciously," and in the workshop "Uncreating Consciously," we look at how this creative process works, and we can create the good, the bad, and the ugly. What do you hold in your mind? What do you hold resonating within your structure? Your fruit will tell you. If you look at your world and your body, it will tell you exactly what you've been holding on to. Are you attached to that? Are you willing to face and forgive that? If you're willing to face and forgive it, then the whole game will change. If you're not, then the game will stay the same, and you'll get to write the book. Why is this happening to me again? I feel so blessed... To, that the universe reserved that title for me back 30 years ago when I was working on the, I was actually working on, I was working on the book, but I was also writing an article for a magazine in Fort Lauderdale called Singles Magazine. They asked me to do a, a workshop on, or a, an article on relationships. And I write it and I write it. And I'm a really slow writer. I rewrite, 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 rewrite ad nauseum. And finally when I completed the article, I started to read it. And the first line in the paragraph was, why is this happening to me again? Why are all people the same? It's like, oh, my God, there's the title of my book. And I checked, and the title was available. And everybody that hears it laughs because they go, yeah, that's the story of my life. And Yeshua taught how to short-circuit that whole process. But few people will do that. Few people will actually engage it and put the pen to the worksheet and do the worksheet. Do the work. Because the only thing you'll ever be confronted with is what's inside of you. So that's that lesson on in my defenselessness. And I I add into that lesson the word power. In my defenselessness, my power and safety lie. giving up a whole world there there's another line from the course of miracles that you must recognize that what is powerful enough to create a world can let it go So it's quite a process, for sure. Does
4: that fit? Make sense? Yeah, um, I'm just, oh gosh. There's
3: a lot of work to be done, isn't there? I'm with you, I understand. As I say, I've done for me on on a personal level with my own personal process work the most important aspects of it I've done over the last two years.
4: Well, just in the last month since um, Thanksgiving and this this medical stuff. I mean, it's like I've relived every trauma I've ever had, and I, I do feel like Job. I'm like, what? What else? And and I've actually, I'm like, Job's friends tell him, curse God and die. And I've actually, I'm like, I've cursed God, but I still am still here on this freaking planet. And um, <laughs> so I, well, I'm like, part done. of me is like, honey, gosh, good God. And I, I've, I've I've told people that this is the worst situation I've ever gone through in my life. But if I can, maybe I should say, I mean, it's definitely been the most challenging. Um, but if, if working through this, I mean, honey, good gosh. Yeah.
3: There's work to be done. And, you know, if, if you went back, we've got 11 years of archives. We've been doing this show, show for 11 years, an hour a day, five days a week in the last, what, three years? Jeannie, Dr. Tim's done an additional hour, so two hours a day for the last three years. So there are thousands of hours in our archives. And you know what? You could listen to any one of those shows, and you could go, oh, that's about me. That's, my, that's what I need to There's the conversation. The whole conversation has about, been about exactly what you're going through. Because what you're going through is no different than anybody else. We're all in this together. Everybody's doing the same stuff. And it's time for us to get out the, come out the other side of it. And truly function as human beings. So you're on the path. Good breath. And that's where we're going. And the show is going to cut us off any second now. The notice just came in my ear that we've got a few seconds left. So, we'll be holding the space and uh, we'll continue this conversation and we'll, you know, through this process, we'll hold your hand every day. As many questions as you have as you, you know, download the app or you start printing the worksheets and doing them, we're here to support you. So, I breathe with you. I extend love in your direction and hold you in our hearts. And as I say, the show is going to cut us off any second. So just
4: know we're holding the space.